from Fastermind.co. This is Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. I'm Dane Sanders. Converge is a show about that space, that tension between the stuff you make and making money or something valuable from your stuff. The show lives where creativity and business collide, giving all of us the opportunity to rethink how we work and live in the digital economy. We all live in a state of perpetual fear. It's not always on the surface, but as humans, somewhere under the hood of our lives, we experience varying degrees of things that scare us. And like every great parent who's ever talked to their kids about monsters under the bed, we all need a little help when those imaginary beasts get in the way of creating or living out what we were made for. Well, my guest today is Heather Vickery of VickeryAndCo.com, and Heather's a success coach who specializes in helping business owners position themselves for greater power and possibility. But I know firsthand, Heather is so good at her work. She's been a table coach at our Go Summit that we host here in January here in Southern California, and she's also a friend and a colleague that I've seen really make a tremendous difference in the lives of those she serves. On today's show, Heather and I talk through some really practical ideas that can help you and your business, from limiting beliefs and how to overcome them, and building systems that empower, and even how to train your clients to stop asking for more than you have to offer. It turns out that single effort alone of setting expectations for healthy boundaries, it's one of the best gifts you could ever give yourself. Speaking of expectations, one thing I'm super confident in is at the other end of today's show, you can expect that you'll be very happy that you gave yourself this gift. Heather Vickery, welcome to Converge. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Heather, it's so good, so good to have you here. And for several reasons. One, it's meaningful for me because you are killing it with your own business and you're a part of our community at Faster Mind. And you've played an active leadership role at our most recent Go Summit. And you and I, because we both come from a similar background, at least industry-wise, mm-hmm. we have a lot of common friendships in there. But now I finally get to have you on my show yay, and invite other people to get to know you beyond the Go Summit community. So just very quickly, I've already shared a little bit in the intro, kind of some of your background, but share a little bit about if you're in that cocktail party moment and someone says to you, oh, Heather, good to meet you. Like, how do you spend your life? And how did you get here? How do you respond to that question? I know it's a lovely conversation. I really like to tell people that I'm a success coach. That's kind of how I've boiled it down, but that I help people find their position of power in any situation, get empowered to reach their goals by implementing systems, strategies, and boundaries for success personally and professionally. So let's jump in right there, because it's funny, when you were at Go, and for those of you who are unfamiliar, at the Go Summit, one of the things that we do is we have a couple little tools that are a little unique for conferences. One is that when someone presents from stage, they have a chance to share some ideas that hopefully are inspiring and helpful and practical, but everyone knows just learning an idea and implementing an idea are two very, very different things. And the role that Heather played was in this particular event, and it was so generous of you, by the way, was she was one of our table coaches where she would take the content that was just shared and we turn to a smaller group of people and she would coach that group into implementation, into action, and actually get people to a place of commitment around certain ideas. And they were kind of set up to go from there. And Heather, you were famous of all of our coaches. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, you in the best kind of way, people were like, how can I get over to Heather's table? Oh, no, uh, I, I know that. That's yes. 
Well, and also your level of commitment was super inspiring to me. I mean, you were actually scheduled to leave the event earlier than you did and you moved things around so you could stick around and you just, you made a massive impression on our community. So first of all, thank you. But talk a little bit about when you say success coach and getting into a position of power, I want to dive in a little deeper and also on a very practical level. So like picture the scenario just presented, an idea gets shared, whether someone reads a book or they're at a conference or whatever, an idea gets shared and you find yourself in a conversation with a person who's been impacted by the idea, but hasn't done anything with the idea yet. How do you guide that conversation? Yeah, I would first of all, find out why they're impacted by the idea and what they're inspired to do from it. And then I would likely ask, why haven't you, why haven't you done that then? Oh, and then they're going to hit me with all their limiting beliefs. They're all the reasons that they think that they can't succeed. And and we would sort of chat through whether or not those things are real. And obviously in a cocktail party setting, we can't dig into that really deeply, but enough, I think, to spark someone's interest and say, you know, is that really true? And maybe guide them into, well, is it worth giving it a shot? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I love that question. And I know, Dane, you've asked that question to people a million times, but what's the worst thing that would happen if you tried it? Mm. And more often than not, the answer is nothing, or I might feel <laughs> foolish, or I might lose a little money. Uh, but overall, it, can you live with that worst case scenario? And I almost always say yes. And then I can challenge them to say, well, what's one thing you could start with? Where could you try to see if this might work out for you? And, and people get excited, right, when they start to see that there's possibility ahead of them. So things like limiting beliefs and possibility, these are big words I know. that I love. And you know that we love these things together because we live in this world all the time. But just let's break down when you say a limiting belief, just so we're on the same page on what that means for the folks at home, you mean something very specific. What is a limiting belief? I do. A limiting belief is a story that you tell yourself that stops you from doing something or achieving something. Very basic one. I have my own coach, right? I believe that if you're going to sell something, you have to be willing to buy it. And you know my coach. Can I say his name? Sure. Absolutely. Aaron Anastasi is my coach. Oh, my man. (laughs) I love Aaron. One of my favorite parts about Aaron, of course, is he's one of our heroes at Go Summit, but I've had the chance to work with Aaron directly as well. So I love that we're in a community of folks. And I'm with you 100%, by the way, that every coach worth their salt has a coach. And I'm so pleased that you actually introduced that as a critical element because it's just so hard to do this work. And even as you're talking about limiting beliefs, everybody has these limiting beliefs. Everybody, oh, 100%. Gosh. Yeah, It's part of being human. So keep going with that idea of limiting okay. beliefs. I want to understand that better. So the limiting belief that always comes up every time I talk to Aaron, and it's hilarious, he starts to laugh now, is I don't work hard enough. So a little background, I am a single mom of four, and you know I work from home. And so that goes back to boundary setting. But there's this underlying voice that if you're not working every waking second, that you're not, you know, parenting or cleaning your house or whatever, that it's not enough. And it, of course, it shuts me down. It prevents me from working harder. It makes me feel bad. And when you feel bad, you do less, right? When you feel successful and joyful, then you're motivated to do more. That is the limiting belief and it controls me all the time. So now I've learned, of course, to sort of talk myself through the process of not believing that story. And our limiting beliefs are they're crap. They're not telling you the truth. And so I love to work with clients on how to disprove a limiting belief with real, like actual facts. Like, okay, well, what could prove that I am working hard enough? Well, I have a full client roster and I pay all my bills and I get to go on fun trips. Okay. So is it true that you don't work hard enough? No, it's not. But boy, that's hard to admit. (laughs) 
Yes. Well, especially when a lot of times the limiting belief doesn't connect to being rational. It connects Absolutely. to fear. Absolutely. Yeah, it's totally often fear-based, but we can disprove it. I've not met a challenge yet that I can't find proof against. Sometimes I find a client who just doesn't want to admit that it's not true because they really like holding on to it. And, and that's a whole different issue. And I like to be very clear that I am a coach and not a therapist. So there are some things that you need to take up with medical professionals to help you work through. So if someone gets to the other side of a limiting belief, like you've helped them see how they're getting in their own way and they're trying to get out of their own way and you start introducing expanding beliefs or possibilities, yeah. what does that look like? What I like to have people do is if they could have it all, if anything that they wanted without feeling silly, what would that look like? And then we sort of break it down and work backwards into actionable steps to get closer and closer. You know, there's so much of it that I truly do believe is sort of your mindset on it. If you believe you can, you do. If you believe you can't, you don't. But it doesn't work if you're not taking action. I recently read something. I thought this was hilarious. An email that said, we know mindset is powerful, but imagine if you will, you're in the car and you're listening to a hip hop station and you're you're digging it, but you really want to listen to some classic rock. Do you think just sitting there and thinking the boss is going to come on at any minute is going to work? Or do you need to take the action to change the channel? <laughs> it's like you have to do the work. Absolutely. You can't just think about it. You have to get out and do the work. So what I help people do is break it down into actionable steps and implement some systems that you know, we just try it. If that one doesn't work, we try something else until it feels like a good fit and it continues to move you forward, perhaps not in huge giant leaps, but in small steps that are completely successful and you can celebrate those successes and they, they push you forward. You mentioned that the goal is to get into a position of power. And yeah. I was reminded, I was in a conversation with one of my clients actually a day or so ago, and we were talking about this phenomenon of, I, we're actually reminding of junior high and how, at least from my experience of junior high, which is painful for many of us, <laughs> me, uh, me included, junior high for me was an exercise and looking at cool kids that were standing out and having a love-hate relationship with them. Like, how did they have the courage to stand out? And I knew standing out was kind of the road to awesome. But also, I was so, you mentioned this idea of, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? They feel foolish. That feeling, that fear is so extreme oh, that if, if I know I have to stand out in a crowd to, especially in business or in creativity or both, if that's the end zone and to do that authentically, yeah. yet if I do that in a way that is made fun of or looked down on, or maybe my direct target makes fun of it and I interpret it as my direct target. And then I think I have self, again, more <laughs> limiting beliefs and I yeah. feel low or whatever, like this spiraling effect. And yet you invite people to say, okay, so what's the worst thing that can happen? You're going to feel foolish. Great. And you come across their limiting beliefs. You turn those around. You create these reversals. You open up possibility for people and they step out. Talk a little bit about a success story or two when you've seen somebody go from a significant limiting belief to a, an ability to step out and find themselves in a position of power that has just moved you, that made you feel like the kind of shift that would be life-altering. Absolutely. So I was brought on by a team, actually a team of accountants, and most of my clients tend to be creatives, but a team of accountants brought me on to work with them as a whole company. And one of the women there that was my client had incredibly low self-esteem and she wasn't getting promoted because she wasn't presenting well. She didn't have any confidence in herself. And we started by listing all those limiting beliefs, but I wanted her to embrace her badassness. So I had her list out all of her accomplishments, which was really challenging for her because people who don't feel confident feel very self-conscious about saying all the things they've done well. 
And then we took that list and I said, now let me read this list to you and listen to it as if it's not about you, as if it were about somebody else. And give me one word that you associate with each of these successes. So at the end of it, she had 15 things and I had 15 words and I read the 15 words and I said, those words describe you. And she was like, oh my goodness, those words describe me. And slowly but surely her confidence level busted out and she was starting to do public presentations and completely got her promotion. And she was like, I did not believe in my ability at all. And you completely helped me shift my mindset on it and own the fact that, that I've done amazing things and there's limitless possibility ahead of me. Do you ever follow up with those folks later and find out like what life looks like a say a year later or something like that? Absolutely. I love to keep in touch and it's maybe not often, but I make it a point to pop in when I can, or just to say I'm thinking of you or if something reminds me of somebody. Yeah. And this particular client, she's just amazing, like blowing my mind. And in fact, she referred me to another client who just last week, and this was so sweet. At the end of the calls, she said, you are the gift I give myself. When I end the calls, I feel so much more in control. And that's a gift that I give myself. Hey, this is so resourceful. One of the things that I wanted to make sure that we spend a little bit of energy on is concept that is near and dear to me, but you've done such a great job articulating it is around boundaries and yeah. having people understand some of like, where do they begin and where do they end? And how do they just define that rather than having other people define that for them? Talk a little bit about the importance of boundaries as a business owner and as a creative. Boundaries to me are the key that makes everything work together. And if implemented properly, it's a little bit like magic. It gives you freedom from guilt. It gives you freedom to do the things that you want. So boundaries can be a number of different things, but in general, you know, they have you define your own level of what's acceptable. For everybody, that's a little bit different. What are you willing to live with? What are you willing to compromise on? What are you willing to accept? And and then clearly communicating that with the appropriate people. So something as simple and basic as setting office hours and having that be, you know, clearly listed on either a new welcome letter to a client or on your out of office or anything like that that says my office hours are from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. So when the client sends an email at seven o'clock and you're not responding, and it may not mean you're not looking, I would encourage you not to look, but I understand that Sometimes business owners look, but you don't feel guilty about not responding until the next day because you've clearly communicated your expectations and what your boundaries are. And knowledge is power. When people know what to expect from you and what you expect from them, they can give it to you. If you don't tell them what it is that you need, they cannot give it to you. Boundaries are the key to all of that for me. So I'm guessing there's a couple pieces to be overt about to articulate here is one is we all have some degree of boundaries, whether I'm conscious of them or not. They might be really loose boundaries, like people can yeah. flow in and flow out whenever they want. But there is some reality of how I'm currently relating with folks, whether it be a client or myself or a family member. And if I don't articulate it and get clear on it, then it's not unreasonable for folks to walk through because they, they haven't been told what is reasonable. Is that true? Absolutely. If you just set them in your mind, but then don't take the action to share them and communicate them with people, it's not going to do you any good at all. And in fact, it could do you harm. So again, let's set office hours as an example. If you set them in your mind, I'm going to work from eight to six, but you don't tell your clients that those are your office hours. They're going to be mad when you don't respond to their emails whenever they send them because they don't know that you've shut down and that you're having family time. And maybe they should know, but people don't know. And we can't operate on, well, they should know that it's dinner time and I'm with my family. That's just not the way the world works. 
I'll be back with the rest of the conversation right after this short break. Have you invested in conferences or workshops that left you empty-handed? There was great content and you had great ideas about what to go do with it, but no change actually happened. That's not okay. At Go Summit, we're committed to helping you take action. To do that, we add personalized coaching and customized marching orders alongside the inspiring speakers, amazing location, and fun networking events. Honestly, there's nothing quite like it. Register today before tickets sell out at fastermind.co forward slash Go Summit. Yeah, it's funny. I recently, I've gotten in the habit of, regardless of when I am finding time to create a communication like an email in or out, I'm committed to not sending the email until 9am the next business day. Because I think it could, this is where I think even if I say my office hours are X and Y, if my activity betray what I've said, it doesn't matter. Like they're going to go off of the behavior, right? Absolutely. So but that's where some really great systems come into play. So as soon as you said that to me, Dane, I'm like, you don't use Boomerang? How do you not use Boomerang? Well, I know Boomerang. <laughs> I know Boomerang, but I don't do my email in a browser. So I mean, I'm a big fan of the idea. But honestly, <laughs> what I've been noticing is when I save them in my drafts folder in my own email client, I use a couple, I use Spark and Airmail 3. They're amazing because I can write in Markdown and do some other cool things in it. But I have found that if, let's say, I'm picking away at what I want to articulate, especially kind of emails that have a, it's a communication that isn't just a memo. It's like, I'm actually putting some detail in it. I found a couple things. One, if I let them cure over the weekend, sometimes I just delete the email and don't send it because I don't need to. The other part is I've noticed that I can actually capture a bunch of ideas. And let's say I'm interacting with the same person quite a bit. Like let's say I have a boss and I have 14 emails I'm going to respond to. I can actually consult. If I send 14 individual ones and I save them in my drafts folder before I send, I can quickly glance and put them all together and make it a little bit cleaner. And now yeah. I've streamlined future conversations because I found that every email I send out, I get two in response. Yeah. So if I actually want to trim down my outbound, if I can process those a little bit better, refine them just a little bit better, it can be helpful. But oftentimes I can't do that on the fly. I'm I'm needing some space and time to think about it. But I think there's so many great systems that people can employ that are unique to them and their personality and habits. It seems like you could have a lot of fun with folks and helping them come up with their boundaries uh, that would, in, in a way that's custom to them. Absolutely. And everybody is different and everybody's limits of acceptable behavior are different. So getting to know them and when really digging into where they want to go and why they actually want to go there and what they hope to get from being there helps identify what each individual person's boundaries are. And you just listed some phenomenal systems. And, you know, not all systems work for everybody, but you can dig in and play and try new ones and figure out you know what feels really good to you. But systems are the key. I mean, setting the boundaries is your first step, but then implementing them with systems and structure and mm. communication is the only way to make it work. Do you ever find that with folks that you're coaching, Let's say they had this aha and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been, I've had no one at the gate of my boundary for some time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they kind of overshoot it. Like they kind of get mad. <laughs> like I've experienced this where, when people, I'm I'll, I'll say for myself, I remember the first time I read about some of these ideas from Tim Ferriss forever ago and for our work week and sending like auto reply emails and stuff. And I would be like almost like self righteous about, you know, how dare you try to infringe on my time? <laughs> and I remember people getting the emails, just kind of like the response where it was more about me communicating yeah. it outbound than thinking about how people will receive it. Can you talk a little bit about the unintended impact, even with great intention of boundaries? And how do you help your customers or your clients or your friends or your mother <laughs> from not being too offended by your boundaries? Yeah, yeah. The important thing is to make it about you and understand that everybody else has different boundaries. So 
going back to get to that same example, somebody sends you an email after your work hours or on the weekend and you know, you're very intentional about not responding. Uh, no, when they send you an email, that's because that fits within their parameters and not internalizing it. And so when you're communicating those boundaries, you can say, feel free to send me messages at any time that works for you. Just know that this is when you should expect a response from me. You can't be, I mean, you can, you could choose to be mad at somebody for quote unquote, disrespecting your boundaries, but know that it's not about you. It's about them. And most things that people do in their life is totally not about you. It's about them. Very infrequently is somebody motivated by how they think you're going to be affected by something. Well, Heather, what I love most about all the pieces that you're about, you're about this in person, you're about this in what you deliver, and you're the real deal, friend. I'm so, so impressed with what you've created. And one of my favorite, kind of this captures it in my mind, is you have this little phrase on vickeryandco.com on your about section where you say, what if I fall? Oh, but darling, what if I fly? And that juxtaposition of you know fear and possibility seems like so much of life can come from your perspective on what it means to take the leap or to jump out of the nest or whatever metaphor you want to pick. So last question before we're done for today, and then a sub question, because I kind of want to corner you into coming to go, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll leave that for another day. But my big question is, you've run into a friend, let's say that you've known several years back, and you've gone through the drill of catching up. And then the person you're talking to, you're at coffee, it's intimate, it's not, there's no rush on time. And they basically say, look, let me get real, Heather, I'm, life is not turning out the way that I thought it was going to. It's, I had this dream. I wanted to start a business. I had this dream. I quit my job. I had this, I didn't have a dream. My spouse lost their job and I had to (laughs) go figure some crap out, whatever the scenario is. And they're just kind of disoriented and they need to help to kind of get grounded. How do you start that conversation and what do you invite them to do next after the coffee? Yeah, I I think the first thing that, that I would do is honor their space and time. And that sometimes things don't feel great. And sometimes we feel off path and that that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have to pick it back up and get back on path. And then we, I would ask them, you know, what would you like it to look like? What would feel good to you? Or maybe what are you willing to release? What are you willing to give up to get where you want to go and then not feel this way anymore? Because the main question is, is it acceptable to you to feel this way? And more often than not, the answer is no then what do we need to change so that you no longer feel this way? And I would, through the course of that conversation, I think we could probably pretty easily and quickly identify a couple of really small first action steps. And to me, the most notable thing is that movement is movement. Even if it's not big movement, as long as you're taking one little tiny step at a time, you feel that consistent, you know, locomotion happening behind you, right? You can go harder and you can go faster and the speed picks up, but you just have to start somewhere. In fact, I have a quote on my desk that says, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Heather, you are a gift. And I am so grateful for the intention and commitment and how it flows out of your own life. I had a single mom with my two older brothers and just the way that you are committed to holistically to so many important pieces. I know it's grounded too in a deeper sense of if you want love to win. And um, I just am so impressed. And folks at home, if you are interested to find out more about Heather Vickery, go to vickeryandco.com, check her out, or I'm sure she will be with us all in January at the Go Summit. So <laughs> I would love to be. <laughs> anyways, thanks again, Heather, for being here and I look forward to next time. Thank you so much, Dane. This was episode seven, season three. 
of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. Converge podcast is brought to you by Fastermind.co, where we help entrepreneurs go from knowing to doing. Get started free today by finding out your Fastermind owner score. Go to Fastermind.co. Music for this episode provided by TripleScoopMusic.com. What does your story sound like? This episode was mixed and produced by Podcast Fast Track.